Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are and whatever part of the day you're in. Sure do appreciate you joining me, giving me a little bit of your time and maybe energy and effort. For those of y'all that continue to share the podcast with others, tell people about it. Thank you so much. I'm very grateful for that. I'm glad that you're willing to come back and listen. And for those of y'all that give me encouragement whenever I see you or Whenever you mention something online, thank you so much. I'm very grateful for that as well. Not a lot on the homestead. I think maybe the rain has stopped. It's slowed down at least. The puddles have shrunk pretty quickly. And uh, I think the animals are are pleased with that at least and we got some much much needed rain and the tanks are quite a bit fuller so that's good too father thank you for today thank you for you father and your son jesus christ and your holy spirit thank you for the time to record this podcast the people that listen to it Share it, be with them and their families. Guide them, bless them. Surround them with your angels. Help us to do your will, Father. Help us to focus on you. To seek you first. To love you with all that we are and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you for living in a country where we can still talk freely, somewhat. Thank you for all the people that have gone before us, that have left us a little light in the darkness. Help us to Follow your lead, the lead of your son, Jesus Christ, and to reflect his light so that others might see it and turn to you too. And God, my words here, Father, please, in your son's name we pray. Amen. So, for those of y'all that listen to the podcast often, this isn't going to shock you at all. Um, I had a plan. We were going to go back and talk about McGuffey a little bit more. If you're wondering if you can hear that noise in the background, if you're wondering what it is, it is our kerosene heater that I'm getting going. At any rate, so that's what I was going to do. And then I stumbled across a part of the Founder's Bible that I read to a colleague of mine. Two years ago, I think. 
and have not been able to find it since in the book. I, I looked through the table of contents and the bibliographies and the indexes in the back, and I could not find where this thing was. And then I just happened to stumble across it this morning. And so I think, <laughs> I think, maybe, that's a good indication that we ought to go through it today. And it has to do with education. And so we're going to go through it. There's a, all in this Founder's Bible, as in the Patriot's Bible, there's little sections, inserts that talk about specific subjects. And again, if you don't have a copy of the Patriot's Bible, edited by Dr. Richard Lee, a copy of the Founder's Bible, edited by uh, David Barton, Brad Cummings, and uh, Lance Woobles, if I'm saying that right, and the America's God and Country Encyclopedia of Quotations, highly recommend it. Uh, they ought to be primary textbooks in every classroom across the country. So this little section out of the Founders Bible is titled, What is Constitutional? And it's got a lot of great information in it, uh, some pretty interesting quotes. The bottom line of this particular section is it's going back and comparing the difference between original intent meaning we go back and we look at what the founders actually meant at the Constitutional Convention versus what we think today, right? Or what we decide we want to think today. And then on the other side, on the flip side of that is we just, we have the Darwinian evolutionist, you know, nature evolves, and so the law must evolve. And basically, there's no God, there's no objective God-given standards, uh, which flies right in the face of our Declaration of Independence. Uh, since God is not the author, right, then, then the law is simply the law because we say it's so, which is a huge problem, right? I mean, that, that's the bottom line. When you take God out of it, when you take God's unchanging standards, away, then you're left to the political whims of man. And you see that in almost every nation, certainly every nation that doesn't have at least a little bit of Jesus Christ's principles at the foundation. Uh, but socialism, communism, leftism, fascism, Nazism, like every time you start to go away from God and toward those systems, the, the utmost authority becomes men. And whatever those men feel like on whatever given day. And so basically, the bottom line, right, is since the law has to, or since, you know, nature evolves, then the law has to evolve with it. And judges ought to be the ones that guide that evolution. Um, and so then basically what do you end up with? You end up with the judges being the lawmakers, which is not the way that our founders intended it. It is absolutely not the original intent. Flies in the face of checks and balances. It's interesting, there's a quote here from Thomas Jefferson. On every question of Constitution, carry ourselves back to the time when the Constitution was adopted. 
Recollect the spirit manifested in the debates, and instead of trying what meaning may be squeezed out of the text or invented against it, conform to the probable one in which it was passed. Interesting to note here again, you know, Jefferson wasn't there, and so this whole separation of church and state nonsense that they took out of his letter is doing exactly what he just said not to. He said, go back to the, the original intent. Go back to that Constitutional Convention. Look at what did they mean when they wrote this part of the Constitution. Not to mention the fact that they twisted his words to begin with. So anyway, all of this roundabout to get to education. There's part of a page in this little section of the Founder's Bible about education and about how the theory of evolution has been applied to education. And I'm going to read it just straight out of there, and then we'll go back and we'll talk about it a little bit. Today, many wrongly believe that evolution is largely a science debate, but it is not. It is actually a worldview debate. Even attorney Clarence Darrow, who represented the evolution side in the famous 1925 Scopes trial, acknowledged that he was arguing the case as a death struggle between two civilizations. Thus, when evolutionary belief is applied to law, it results in the living constitution. And when it is applied to education in general, it results in continually trying new methods of teaching and institution instruction, even if the old ones still work well. For example, in the name of, quote, progress, unquote, and, quote, unquote, change, traditional old math instruction that involved memorizing math tables was discarded and replaced with new math. A U.S. Senator reported the results. In Palo Alto, California, public school math students plummeted from the 86th percentile to the 56th percentile in the first year of new math teaching. This awful new math textbook obviously fails to do in 812 pages what comparable Japanese textbooks do so well in 200. The average standardized math score in Japan is 80. In the United States, it is 52. Similarly, on the grounds that old methods of teaching English skills are boring to students and needed to be evolved, diagramming sentences and traditional grammar instruction was dropped. Now, only one-third of students can write at a proficient level, and only 2% can write at an advanced level. And reading professionals similarly demanded that the old traditional phonics learning be dropped and replaced with something fresh and new, like whole language recognition. Reading scores promptly plummeted, and whereas America had once been number one in the world in literacy, it fell to number 26. In fact, scores tumbled so fast and so far that the California Board of Education eventually took 
what one national newspaper described as the drastic step of readopting phonics, of going back to old things that worked. And since evolution seeks to leave the past behind, the one educational subject most directly impacted is the study of history. After all, since what is in the past is of no relevance today, the study of history is a complete waste of time. Consequently, several states have adopted what is now termed 20th century model, teaching high school students only that which happened from 1900 forward. And among the elite colleges and universities as ranked annually by U.S. News and World Report, none, not one, any longer requires any course in American history for graduation. Having spoken to a number of educators from different campuses over the years and seen inside a few classrooms myself and just having been around students from a wide socioeconomic background, I can 100% confirm these points. The inability of students to quickly call to mind multiplication tables, right? There's a, actually a comedian that I've seen a couple times do a routine about Common Core. And it's funny, but it's sad, too, when you're listening to it. He talks about how he said the, the whole goal of Common Core is to make each problem take an entire page. Common Core math he's talking specifically about. And even if your state hasn't adopted Common Core, not knowing all 50 states myself, but I'd almost be willing to bet because I've talked to some teachers from states that don't have Common Core. That if you went and talked to a teacher in your state and asked them about math today, they would tell you these same things. No, we don't memorize tables anymore. We do this, this new math. We don't do the rote memorization that helps children to quickly recall numbers and be able to do problems in their head. We do new math. And what that new math translates to is a whole bunch of work to get to the exact same point. The same comedian described it this way. He said, it's like having a person come over to your house and they knock on the door, the front door, and you open the door and they say, hey, you know, how's it going? And you say, hey, 
and, and they say, well, can I come in? And they're like, and, and you go, no, well, I tell you what, if you would just walk around the side of the house and, and hop over the fence and, and come around to the back door and then you can come in through there, just knock on that door and we'll let you in. And then, and then walk right back up here to this spot right here by the front door. And that's, that's the new way of getting into the house. And, and the person's going to stare at you and be like, well, well, why can't I just use the front door? I'm right here. You're like, no, 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 no. You got to walk around the house, jump over the fence, open the back door, walk all the way through the house right here to this spot. And that, that's how we get into the house now. That's, that's a pretty good explanation of how we're trying to do math and reading comprehension today. Instead of just trying to get the answer out of it, we're adding in all of these extra steps. And it's not helping, folks. If you look at reading levels, and a lot of the percentages from different places out there are so skewed anyway. If you look at the ability of kids in the classroom today to actually read and write, it is it's horrific. And you can blame some of it on, maybe a lot of it, on no kid left behind and the fact that we're requiring kids that don't have any right or need or reason to still be in high school instead of out working a job to still be there. That causes problems. The fact that we have handicapped children with SPED and 504 or whatever your state calls it, accommodations of all sorts, that affects it too. And you can't throw this on the teachers and administrators, folks. This sits directly in the lap of the people making the decisions about how we're going to educate our children. And at the end of the day, that comes back to us, the voter. And as parents, we have been so disengaged for so long and used public education as a babysitting service so that we can go about our merry lives and do what we want to do. And now all of a sudden we're waking up and we're looking and we're going, our kids don't have a clue how to do this stuff. They can't read. They can't write. They're in junior high or high school, still doing math on their fingers. They have no concept of how to read a graph or a table or a chart. They can't pull information from those tables and charts and graphs. They have barely heard of Shakespeare. And, and if they have Hemingway or Austin or Lewis or Tolkien or Bronte, it's only the smallest percentage of them, which again, maybe you can make the argument that's the only ones that should be reading it. But then why in the world are we keeping the rest of the students in school if they don't have the ability to read works like that? 
The point, folks, is it's unarguable that our education system is floundering and has been. And it really goes back to we kicked God out 80 years ago. And and with him, we kicked out unchanging standards, basically, just like when you're talking about original intent in the Constitution. When you take out unchanging standards, you, you start to allow for the political whims or the educational whims of man. And so, and that's what we've become. Our, our education system has become whatever the newest fad is, that's what we're going to try right now. And you've got some really good educators out there. If you would just talk to them, they could tell you this stuff. If we would listen to some of the teachers out there. God bless y'all, your families, your marriages. God bless America. We'll talk to y'all again real soon, folks.